Hey world, this is Bushwick Politic. I'm Jason Jones. I'm Adi Eshman. And today we're here actually for our first time recording live. Thanks everybody for joining us. We really appreciate you. So um, what we're first going to do is, uh, yeah, I mean, we could receive some sort of... Yeah, let's go. There are other people in the room there today. There are other people. <laughs> Hopefully our, hopefully our audience is going to interact with us and uh, they enjoy the show. But um, first thing we want to talk about, you know, thanks for coming, guys. Um, we we want to talk about the purpose of Bushwick Politics, why we decided to get into this in the first place, and, you know, why, why we brought you guys all here today. Right, because this is our launch episode, we thought it might be uh, useful to talk about what we're about and why we started the podcast. We, we started the podcast, just me and Audie thinking, you know, as soon as we saw Trump win, as soon as we realized our country is truly in a dire circumstance, we figured that, you know, it is our responsibility as citizens and as, you know, Americans who want a future to do all that's in our power in order to, I guess, raise people's awareness and try to hopefully get this maniacal dictator taken out. Right. And it, there was also this this feeling that there were echo chambers that people are really sick of in our liberal circles, and we wanted to break out of those. Um, we recognize that perhaps Republicans aren't as sick of their echo chambers. They really enjoy them. But liberals are kind of getting sick of their echo chambers. So, so we, we wanted to sort of transcend those chambers and, and hear other perspectives that we wouldn't really encounter in our day-to-day -day lives. 100%. I mean, you know, obviously the Republicans are kind of winning right now, so they, they think they're right, you know, as right. far as... Uh, keeping to themselves but the whole point of this show is to bridge that gap stop the you know the partisan split so Obviously, you know people aren't talking across the aisle these days this, sure. you know our congress is the opposite of progress which is pretty funny and um you know the whole point of bushwick politic is to speak with that other side and just sort of come to an understanding Right. Yeah. Try to from? try to find the commonalities. So I think we can we can first talk about like some of the cool interviews we've had and what we've learned from those, and then we can segue that into what we're talking about tonight. Absolutely. So I mean, this is our fourth episode. Um, through the first couple, we had some really good interviewees, and um, we we learned a lot. Right. Like our last episode, we spoke with an imam, so it's sort of the equivalent of a rabbi or a priest in, in Islam. We spoke with an imam from Coatesville, Pennsylvania, about his his perspectives on the immigration ban, on the Muslim ban. And I thought his answers were just really intelligent and heartfelt. Um, I, I mean, he came at it from the perspective of like there are over 50 countries worldwide that have majority Muslim populations. So we can't ban Muslims from every single one. Yeah, it would just be one impossible, two economically unfeasible, and three it's racist as fuck. So you need to get over it, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I actually really enjoyed his answers. Like, I cannot wait for you guys to hear his particular interview. Like, I can't personally do it justice by describing it to you guys right now. But his answers were everything that you would hope to hear from someone in his position. I right, think. and I think that I think another great thing was just the outpouring of support of non-Muslims to his community. 100%. It alleviated and, fear. Right, it really did. Right. Right. And uh, the interviews we had for the Women's March. So we spoke a little bit about this, but we interviewed a Republican, a more conservative perspective who was anti-March. Um, and then two little girls, about, both about like eight or ten, who went on the march in D.C. And just hearing the, the contrast between their perspectives was really interesting. Yeah, I, I found it hilarious. I mean, um, our guest, Laura, she works for the project Veritas. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because when you hear our interview with her, you can tell where she's coming from, a very conservative point of view. And to hear her perspective of the march, it's like, 
you know, what did you expect? You know, you went to the march protesting the march as a woman. Yeah, you're going to get some shade thrown at you. But, you know. From Martin O'Malley. <laughs> from Martin O'Malley of right, all people. Right. But um, it was it was funny because the girls obviously they had a great time. They were like, yeah. oh yeah, we went with our moms. It was fun, you know. They and walked all, around and also gave just like beautiful answers and beautiful, uh, just had really uh, kind of resonant experiences at those marches. I was actually pleasantly surprised on how much those girls at eight and ten years old knew about the political climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I definitely was not that educated at eight years old right. on what whatever the hell was going on when I was eight sure. years old. So, so stay tuned for those episodes. They're coming out in the next couple of weeks. The, fir- the Women's March one will be coming that out. should be out tomorrow. T- tomorrow or Tuesday. And the one- on when you listen to this, that's irrelevant. So. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> it's true. And then the immigration ban will come out whenever the, you know, like two weeks from now. Yeah. Or so one week from now. It'll get done. Just, just stay, stay locked. Just stay tuned. So, so, let's talk about, so let's talk about LGBT rights. Um, this is something that is sort of in the news these days because there's an executive order that uh, we just that was presented to Donald Trump that he ended up not signing for reasons we'll get into that was essentially going to permit discrimination against the LGBTQ communities in the United States. Um, you know, we want to have some throat clearing before this because we're both obviously not of the LGBT community. Yeah, it's really hard to speak on an issue. We were just talking about, like, with the women's march, it's like, how do we give our opinion on women's issues without coming out like douchebags because neither of us are women? Right. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, we're, we're going to do our best, you know? Sure. And also, I mean, I mean, there is sort of a consistency there that, you know, every week there's some horrendous executive order, some new action taken against a particular group. And I think it's, you know, we have to have some intersectionality when we talk about the oppression of people. So when you talk about the oppression of immigrants or Muslims or women or LGBT rights, like these issues still need to be presented with some consistency. 100 percent, because like like we were talking about that episode, you know, it starts with one scapegoat group and then it's the next and then it's the next until, you know, we basically just have an assimilated boring ass society right you know where no one steps out we're just a very sad society we're a very sad society right, exactly right. and it's just like it's it's crazy because this guy's been in office what three weeks three now? weeks three and he's weeks. already alienated like he's already alienated so many groups people already had questions about whether or not he was up for the position now anyone who had any doubters you know their suspicions have been confirmed it's been three right. weeks this person has just driven our country so far down sure as far as our overall morale as far as our overall safety is concerned and how we interact like i've never been to as many rallies in my entire life as these past fucking three weeks right it's only been a lot of protests yeah i mean there's a lot to protest but you know his 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 base is still sticking with him i think it's about 51 percent of trump supporters still support a lot of his positions a lot of these executive orders coming out so the question is you know how do we how do we talk to them? How do we reach out to them? How do we tell them that the judiciary is an independent branch and can't be swayed by the president? And how, I mean, how do we, how do we, it's, it's deeper than that. It's not necessarily, I mean, obviously, like you said, Trump supporters, about 51% of them do support him. Unconditionally. 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 It, it, I guess it would just kind of have to come down to touching at their morale as a person. Like we have a president who does not represent the populace. Mm-hmm. This is a problem. Right. So how do we solve that? Sure. Sure. So, you know? so 
let's talk about LGBT rights. Sure, bit. yeah, yeah. Let's so, so, so the reason that we we brought this up was because of this executive order that Trump was supposed to sign that featured this language that was actually reminiscent of something that Mike Pence, the current vice president, had signed uh, a couple years ago in Indiana. So a couple years ago, Mike Pence had signed this uh, order, uh, well, legislation called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the RFRA. So uh, to talk about the history of these acts really quickly, um, back in the mid-90s, uh, under the Bill Clinton administration, Senator Chuck Schumer and Senator Ted Kennedy introduced legislation called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which, was, which actually had good intentions. The idea was that Native Americans uh, use peyote, they use mescaline in their uh, religious practices, and the idea was that uh, you, know, you would have to have strict scrutiny to prosecute them using this, these, substances, these substances in their religious practices. So that was sort of the initial intention. And then uh, in 1997, the Supreme Court ruled that this uh, act would only be upheld at the federal level. So between 97 and 2014, over 30 states passed this Religious Freedom Restoration Acts um, because, I mean, they're popular among conservatives and, and liberals. So then in comes Mike Pence, and he responds to some very specific uh, Supreme Court cases. So the first one is Hodges v. Obergefell. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, which legalized gay marriage in 2015. And the second one was the Hobby Lobby decision that basically said that for-profit corporations have, uh, have a right to religious freedom, have a right to religious expression. So Mike Pence, who was your governor, I who suppose. Who was my, yeah. Yeah, who was your he governor. It makes me so embarrassed to be from Indiana. It's Right, so he passes, he passes the RFRA, and almost immediately you have people coming out against it, like the CEO of Apple, Tim Cook. You have states banning travel to Indiana because of the RFRA, and you have Memories Pizza. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but there was a pizza place that said that if they were forced to serve uh, pizza at a gay wedding, they would not. So, I do remember that. Yeah, so they were flooded with one-star Yelp reviews, and also uh, supporters of the RFRA gave Memories Pizza over $800,000 in donations. As they should have received it. I mean, honestly, it's No, like, this is a bad thing. No, I mean, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, I thought, I thought you were saying, oh, I thought you were saying no, that no, they gave they, the pizza place 800000 They like, did because they were like, oh, they're not serving gays. We'll give them money. Oh, that's fucked up as hell, yeah, man. I mean, that's <laughs> terrible. That's what happened. So eventually, Mike, so eventually they didn't repeal the law. They just took out like this, the more not so tasty parts of it. But they still managed to get their point across. They still managed to get their point. So the point being, you know, so last week Trump was supposed to sign this executive order that had that featured very similar language that would have said like uh, corporations, pe persons, organizations uh, would would not have to uh, uh, give up any of their religious freedom to serve the LGBTQ community. Or it was essentially a way to uh, oppress the LGBTQ community and to oppress women. And the executive order was scuttled at the last minute by. Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. And it's it's honestly I find it really funny because being from Indiana, you look at you look at Mike Pence, I'm not gonna say I hung out with his people, but I know the type of crowd he's associated with. And for for me to think of those people that are, you know, well off, type of holier than thou type of folk that, that really like to pass judgment on the next person, not as if their shit's together, but you know, just because they have nothing else to do and they're really dissatisfied with their boring lives mm -hmm. in Indiana, it happens. But um, you know, to, to have a law that was originally passed in order to protect the religious rights of a group of people whom, whose country we did steal, you know, for him to take that language and then twist it to make so that corporations can legally discriminate against a group of people 
based on their sexual orientation. Right. Only in Indiana could that happen. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> I mean, it's really messed up. Like, I cannot believe that a person could take something that was originally meant to protect people and then use it to harm people. Yeah. It's baffling. Uh, a lot of states did that, including Arkansas. Um, I mean, I guess the point where we're going to continue hammering home is that there's oppression that, that is intersectional that, that we're witnessing right now. And uh, also, I mean, I think it should be clear at this point that the LGBTQ communities are not exactly safe in America at this point. 2016 is not like the year that everything became okay for LGBT Americans. I mean, I, so I have some statistics in front of me. According to the FBI, the earliest statistics we have are for 2014, or the latest ones we have, says that a fifth of all hate crimes are, are perpetrated against uh, the LGBTQ community, which is actually extraordinarily high for the number of people who identify as LGBTQ, because, you know, it's there's uh, a lower population of them than say like blacks or Jews who also are discriminated against heavily in the United States. And according to the, uh, a children's hospital in Cincinnati, they, they ran a study about transgender youth and about 30% of transgender youth uh, eventually attempt suicide and over 40% admit to some sort of self-harm like cutting. That's such a shame. And the thing is like this, this kind of discrimination is sort of being okayed by this administration. It's a scary time. It's really sad. Like. You know, when we uh, looked up um, the 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 website for the federal government, didn't didn't they have uh, all the LGBT pages removed? Right. So after Trump took office, uh, there was a page on the WhiteHouse.gov website that was about LGBT rights, and that page was removed uh, once Trump took office. I think they removed the one about the environment as well. That is true. So according to Trump's administration, basically LGBT people don't exist, and climate and change climate change exist. isn't real. Right. Even though it went from sixty to snowing that like literally last week. It's totally normal. Totally normal. It's fine. So let's talk about our guest today. Yeah, yes, yes we have an awesome guest. Here. We have an amazing guest today. Uh, we have a guest named Tommy O'Malley. He's on two podcasts, one called Unhirable and the other called Race Wars. Uh, he's also producing a show tomorrow, so we thank him for his time tonight. Uh, yeah. Tommy, step up to the plate. Let's go. Welcome, my man, guys. Woo! Part two, this is our uh, interview. Yeah. We're sitting here with the uh, famous Irish gangster, Tommy O'Malley. How you hold it down in the mean streets? Oh, oh you know, by the mean streets, you mean Grinder and Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. I'm holding it down pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> oh, I saw that that was your first yeah, question. Yeah, that's, our, like that's our first question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're much more prepared than I have ever been on a podcast. You like have like sheets of paper this you print like it out This is like a consistent thing we've heard. Like I've been on other podcasts and they're like, you bring questions in? What's up with that? I know. Well, no, it's, I mean, it's a good way to go. Tell you about myself. Well, I'm going to skip to question three that you have for me. And say okay, yeah, yeah. Go, 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 an evil three. third party voter. You are okay. not a Hillary voter. So I have alt politics voter. in New York City. Sure. Um, although I am not alt-right, necessarily. You're more alt-left. 
Yeah, but my 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 largest number of retweets comes from my alt right following, interesting, which I owe to my appearances on other podcasts, which um, we'll get into a little bit, where I say things like I think Hillary Clinton probably covered up a rape when her husband was governor, and then the alt right people or the Nazis go crazy, and then the the people that voted for Hillary Clinton are like, that's crazy. Um, so so what are the, some of the reasons you voted for Jill Stein? I don't like the Clintons. I don't. I don't trust the Clintons, and I don't. I didn't like the status quo. But I wouldn't vote for. I'm not a Colby Keller, who's this gay porn star. This is this is um this is a circular plug for this my is the show. Fifth right. yeah, 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 yeah. Who announced on my show that he was voting for Donald Trump last uh, summer before a straight woman stole the story and then it was retweeted by all the gay media. Uh-huh. But we broke it on my show. I didn't want to see the system destroyed the way that somebody like this gay guy who voted for Trump did. He voted for Trump specifically to see the system destroyed. And I think that's what he's getting. I think it's pretty clear that that's what's happening, is that we're seeing a dismantling of the system. Right. But, um, but I did also not want to see the Clintons continue to hold executive power in this country. Did you think Jill Stein had a chance? No, and I didn't really care about Jill Stein. I voted for her in 2012 as a protest vote, which people threw around in this election like it was bad. I was protesting the two-party system with my vote. That's my right. It's anybody's right. It was an educated decision living in New York City, Mm -hmm. voting in Brooklyn, who I couldn't, couldn't vote for. And it was a protest vote. I didn't, I think that there is evidence that the DNC and the Clinton campaign colluded in the primary. I do not think that that won her the primary. And it annoys me the same way that considering that Tom Brady could have deflated balls or that the New England Patriots could have filmed the opposition. They are the greatest of all time. This combination of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, we will never see anything like that in football, maybe in our lifetimes. Nobody that's alive has seen that. Mm -hmm. It's really dynamic. They didn't need to cheat. I don't think Hillary Clinton needed to cheat, and I I think that she did. And that's what annoys me. It's the same type of thing. I don't think that it won her anything, Mm -hmm. but it annoys me. So so would you have been more comfortable... I, I guess I really want to know what was your what election I night. Voted. No, what was your election night experience? I mean, I don't know. Ex- it was drunk, like everyone else. <laughs> it was drunk and high. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is really happening. Okay, but I knew he was going to win. You knew he mm. was going to win. Yes, I knew it. I I called it at least as early in print in March of last year. Like I I could just see it. Why did you feel that was because true? we weren't going to go from a black guy to a woman. That was my that was my reasoning. Very and true. It may be flawed. I feel you. No, I mean maybe that was flawed, but that's what I kept saying. Um, it's too much. It's too much liberalism too fast. America wasn't ready for it. Maybe. America wasn't ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. You know, America should change its political system. I'm a fan of the European systems where they use popular representation. Depending on how many percentage of the general populist vote a candidate receives, that's how much you know power he receives in whatever congressional body makes all the laws. Whereas here, it's real winner-take-all. So everyone kind of loses because as a liberal, Hillary Clinton was my best option, even though I don't feel like she represents me as a person. I completely disagree with that. I do not think she was the best option. I think that the Green Party is the party of liberation politics. You could have looked at Jill Stein's number two, Ajamu Baraka. You could have seen that he came from the Black Power movement in the 70s and actually is actually speaking about the ideals that all these people who I think I'm ideologically aligned with espouse. 
But they seem to miss the point. Like, we have to go to this boomer mentality of what it is to be a, a liberal. But that might be dead now. So are, are, you, are you more pro uh, plurality of parties rather than just pro Green Party? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm open to the democratic socialists, although I think that it is dangerous to build a party around a person the way that it seems like this is being built around Bernie Sanders. And I, I mean, that hasn't worked out in the past. Mm -hmm. So I think we should be conscious of that, I guess. But I don't really know. Like, we're here to talk about gay shit. And so, like, <laughs> I, I am not the person to talk about intersectionality. I am not. I, I am maybe the person to talk about the G in that ridiculous acronym that you threw LGBTQ. Out. <laughs> Whatever, because right. it's not a community. That is not a unified group sure. of people. That is alt-straight. So we're not unified. Like, I know nothing about what it is to be a trans woman, to be a trans person of color especially. Like, mm -hmm. you talked about the violence rates, but actually, if you want to get down into that, the people that are victimized and then, like, beyond just being victimized, but then murdered, and then experience overkill, their bodies are mutilated after they're dead. That's, that's black trans women. Mm. So those statistics are skewed. People that look like me and have the access that I have aren't being killed at that rate. So that statistic is almost not applicable. Well, the me. statistics, I mean, it's still they still count violence against gays and violence against lesbians. I mean, well, that's a lot of straight people run only, everything. Well, the only reason so that we started collecting those statistics yeah, is because of the Matthew Shepard Hate Crime Act of 2000, where Matthew Shepard was tortured and murdered in Wisconsin, I believe. No, Which he was, was not. In? Yeah, L Wyoming. Wyoming, Laramie, Wyoming yeah, yeah. The Laramie Project. Right, right. But that's a straight person's confusion that you wouldn't know that. But like any gay person I mean, might. No, but I mean that yeah. sincerely. And that's not a shot at you. That's just sincere. Like that to me is like that. That is just doesn't everybody know that? But I'm not surprised that you don't know that. Nobody knows that. Wait, My mother doesn't know that. I'm only suggesting that this is the reason why they started collecting those statistics in the first place is because they passed these acts that would force Congress would to start collecting these statistics. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about and that's true. No, that is true. And it's also I mean, you could make a case that it's interesting that it was like a handsome white guy that was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, nobody ever talks about the fact that he was HIV positive, um, which is also something about Matthew Shepard that sure. I don't think most people know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like, I don't know. For me, since this election, I haven't really felt under threat in the way, for being gay mm -hmm. um, at all. Right. And this narrative about Jared Kushner and Ivanka Saving the gays is so distasteful to me. Yeah, yeah it's no. my, it's offensive. And sure, so sure. completely, obviously manufactured, I think, to just, I mean, every, I also don't like this thing that keeps happening with, they want you to look at this so that you don't see this. No, they're just doing everything at once. That's what happens when there is a power seize then people just have to act quickly. Right. Um, well, well, speaking about manufactured personalities, you interviewed Ann Coulter recently. Yeah, how was that? I, I did not Ann interview Coulter. her recently. Okay, what no, was it? I was supposed to, Okay, so Ann Coulter was supposed to do a show that I do, Race Wars, but it got canceled because of a blizzard recently. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been on a podcast with Ann Coulter once before. Sure. Race Wars. We played Fuck, Marry, Kill. When I gave her three women, she said, I won't play that. And I said... Oh, wow. Well, because I just think she has a dacky energy. <laughs> so I just assumed she must have done it at some point. And I gave her, like, powerful lesbians like Rosie O'Donnell, Melissa Etheridge, and, I don't know, Wanda Sykes. It was all comics. And, um, and then she wouldn't play that. So then I gave her three men. They were all politicians. And I, they weren't, like, 
thought out. I had to do it on the spot. So it was like JFK, somebody else, and Paul Ryan. Uh-huh. And all I remember is that Ann Coulter killed Paul Ryan. Whoa. And Paul Ryan, who I think is so hot, like he's like what we on my show call an any hole trademark. Like you'll let them put it in any hole. Uh-huh. So Paul Ryan for me is an any hole. I know he has disgusting ideas about the budget. He's made a he's made a deal with the devil here with Donald Trump. But this mm-hmm. is what's interesting to me is that yes. Ann Coulter all along was one of Donald Trump's staunchest supporters. And Ann Coulter's really interesting. Because when you meet Ann Coulter, she is so, so, so disarmingly nice. Uh-huh. And beautiful, which is something that matters when you're in the presence of somebody, whether that's superficial or sexist or not. But like she has a presence that's like notable. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is genuine in what she says a lot of the time. So, mm. like, when I said to her, that's, like, horrifying. Why would you think that about something? She looked surprised. Like, what do you mean? Like, how? why don't you think what I think? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is interesting because I think she is genuine. I think that it seems like now, since the election, they're all going down, like, kind of a really scary path. Um, all these sort of right-wing personalities, um, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen her since the election. I've only met her once, so I don't know Ann Coulter. But what's interesting is that after the show, I said, "Can I take a picture so that I can post it and annoy all my gay friends?" This was before the election, and she said, "Oh, please, gays love me," and she's right. Wow. She's right. Gays like when you if gays that meet Ann Coulter love Ann Coulter. Mm. She's everything that gay men like. Not all gay men. I mean, I, I'm speaking as a gay white man, right? Right. It's easy for me to say that all gay men love her. I'm sure that my friends Lester Brathwaite, who's an associate editor at Out, sure. born in Guyana, or my friend Michael Arsenault, who writes for Ebony and all sorts of other publications, like I'm sure that they would actually think that what I just said is completely wrong. Mm. But for me, I think she embodies a lot of the characteristics that gay white men really value. Right. So that's that's something... I like what you said there about the fact that when you would state an opinion and then when she would state an opposite opinion, it didn't ever really occur to her how you could feel differently. And obviously that has to do with just how she was raised. Certain people's backgrounds, I guess, kind of prevent them in a sense from seeing how other people live just because they lack the education or lack that exposure to that group. What do you think would be the best way for, not maybe not necessarily the best way, but what do you think are some possible means of educating those who are uneducated, who do feel like Ann Coulter, who just say, "Oh my gosh, you don't feel this way? Why not?" What when do you mean? Occur- like about like anything that I don't about LGBT issues specifically. Yeah. How how do you educate? Let's a just group say of gay that, issues. Okay, sure. Let's, I, I I'm comfortable right. with the word gay. I'm glad you're comfortable with it because that makes it so much easier. It's just me. so much easier because that's really what we're fewer talking letters, about. Fewer letters. Fewer letters. Fewer letters. Yeah. Ways All right. So because I, I don't know about trans issues, I can't speak for to sure. Them. Sure. I I like got into a fight with a trans friend of mine on Facebook because Cindy Brady. Is, does anyone in this room? How old are people? No, like, Brady like Cindy, Lucy, Marsha. No, yeah, Cindy. Yes, Jan Cindy, and Jan and Marsha. That was it. So Cindy, the youngest Brady girl, be, became like a crazy right wing sure. radio host in California. Oh, wow. no. Some guy she disagreed with blocked her on Facebook. She wrote him a Facebook message and said, among other things. I bet my dick is bigger than yours, Gosh. which is hilarious. And I tweeted, <laughs> I tweeted, but just how big, all I tweeted, the only thing I tweeted with no link to an article, just apropos of nothing was, but just how big is Cindy Brady's dick? And then I got pushback for making a chick with di- a dick joke. And it's like, she said it. 
That wasn't like a, an anti-trans thing. And I, I was told that using the state of trans womanhood mm. to point out somebody else's extremism isn't justification. Right. For using mm. the state of trans womanhood as the butt of a joke. Okay. So even though she said, I bet my dick is bigger than yours, I still don't understand this. This is, this is a point I will not concede and I do not think is transphobic, but I understand that many trans people that I have spoken to, three, uh, have told me that they see why this could be transphobic. I still don't see it, and it could just be my like white, cis, gay, whatever blinders. Okay. But that this, me saying, but just how big is Cindy Brady's dick? When she wrote to a guy, I bet my dick is bigger than yours, like that's funny. To me, that's still funny. Uh -huh. I find but it so hilarious. I'm not the person to talk about anything trans. Okay. Is why I'm telling you that story. <laughs> I'm very problematic to trans people, I think. Okay. Not so really. I would love you trans consider people. yourself a gay activist? I don't, you also said that I was an activist earlier. I don't know I what that you're an means. Activist. I mean, well, I mean, I have slept with probably three hundred people. Okay, so that's pretty active. <laughs> you active? <laughs> hey, props, son. Props. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, you're outspoken about gay issues. Exactly. You know, people look to you to like as the voice. Yeah, I of hope as, nobody as the voice looks of gay reasoning over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, people look to me when they want to feel hatred. Okay. <laughs> or like anger or something. I don't know. That's what my mentions are on social media. Usually. No, no, that's actually not hey, you're true. Infamous. I have that's great. Right. No, no, no. I have great interactions with people. I love social media. I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm not a gay activist. No, I went to that gay rally at Stonewall. I guess at this point, a couple weeks ago, because we're in the time vault. But um, there was a gay rally at Stonewall because of this alleged executive order that that Jared, as we call him, Jared Daddy Kushner, on my show, on Horrible. He's my co-host's like. Trademark any hole uh -huh. is yeah. She's also a Zionist, interesting enough, and and we can talk about Zionism at some For point. For sure, yeah. It's um next episode. No, no. I mean, I'm totally gonna embed it in this show. Okay, sure. Because you have a game that we're gonna play, and I all right, me, all right, of course, well, I'm okay. sitting yeah, with a Jew and who's yeah. potentially a Zionist. I'm not gonna talk about okay, it because right. it ties into gay shit too. But um, like the, this executive order, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of started this earlier and then got sidetracked. No worries. So there's also the Johnson Amendment, right? So there's this executive order that didn't happen because Jared, Anyhole, and Ivanka. Ivanka saved the day. But actually, Trump has vowed to take down this thing called the Johnson Amendment. Have you, are you familiar with this? No. Which um, basically would make it possible for church groups who are tax exempt. Right, yes, okay. Okay, yes. so this still could happen. Wait, can you Wait explain this, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't finish yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, so church We're groups not that are tax informed. exempt from endorsing or opposing political candidates. From the pulpit. From the, from pulpit. the pulpit, yes. From the pulpit. Right. That's the, yes. So um, that's not good for gay people. Right. That yeah. is not good for well, gay people. considering the history of Prop 8 in California, the Mormon church donated millions of dollars. Wait, wasn't that black people? I thought that it was black people. <laughs> <laughs> that was the votes, but the Mormon Just kidding. church. That's also not true. Well, the Mormon church gave <laughs> right, millions of dollars. Come on, this is not a gay audience. Nobody thought no. that was funny. <laughs> gay people blamed that on black people. That was I an know. interesting I mean, moment about intersectionality. Like. We blamed it. It was Mormons who put a lot of money into it. To, yes. to, to strike down Prop 8 in California. Yes. Mm, right. It wasn't just Mormons. And it wasn't black people. We know that. But that's what gay people said. Now you know. You know. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What was the point you were making about the Johnson Amendment? My, my point is, is that even though that's not happening, this executive order, sure. the religious freedom, this could still happen. He has vowed to take it down. So... You know, I mean, the erosion of church and state, he could face some trouble because there are Republicans who think that that would erode the division between church and state mm -hmm. too much. But 
who knows? I mean, Paul Ryan's turnaround since Trump's been elected is like I, I keep waiting for him and Pence and McConnell to just take out Trump. Yeah, I know, right? Seize power, but it's not happening, and it seems like they're leaning further and further in. And I don't know. I mean, I just assumed that was what was going to happen. And Robert Reich, who was the Labor Secretary under Clinton, Clinton mm -hmm. wrote like this really long Facebook post because <laughs> that's how we communicate with people now, I guess. But about exactly that, about how the Republicans were just waiting until the moment that they could take Trump out, not in the way that like people took out Kennedy, but. I'm honestly Jesus. so disappointed in Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. Like, I don't know. I feel like he could do so much good for like our country, Texas. but he literally sits there. He should and just govern shirtless. He bends over. That's he my bends over all the time. Paul Ryan should govern shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the kind of these, exe these executive orders, do you think that's coming from Trump or from Mike Pence? You know, people behind Trump. Nothing you or I or anybody says matters about that. What matters is that they're happening. I don't know who they're coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't really care who they're coming from. This man should not be president. But he is, and I don't know how we get him out. So then I don't think the protesting necessarily will get him out. But I, I go to them. Yeah, I think it's good pressure. It is good pressure. What, so so that leads me to my next question. What? So given that you know all these things are happening, what do you think will be the future for gay shit under this Trump administration? Do, do, um, I, mean, I don't know. I don't feel under threat for being gay. Really? I, I do not feel at all threatened for being a gay person. No, I really don't. I mean, I think that it's a lot deeper than that. I just think that Trump is so... Uh, I think he's such a destabilizing force that I'm more concerned about dying. Um, I'm more concerned about a war starting... I'm more concerned about people driving a truck through a crowd that I'm in. Um, I'm more concerned about relations with China breaking down. I'm mm -hmm. more concerned about another Hurricane Sandy taking out New York City. I don't know. There's a lot of shit I'm concerned about before I'm concerned about, like, you know, sodomy being illegal. I feel you. It's like, you know, while, while gay shit's still being, like, basically prosecuted the world is still getting way hotter there's a lot of shit going on right now and there's a lot of shit to focus on well i just think also there's something narcissistic in the way that a lot of gay people are talking about this because i don't see gay people being deported i don't see are we saying ice or ice i only ever I say, read I, it i hear ice okay I, hear ice. I only ever read it it's ice yeah so i don't see ice people rounding up gays that's not to say it couldn't get there mm -hmm. i don't want to sound like i'm in like weimar germany and just like having the time of my life and it's about to all be over <laughs> but like i don't i don't see it going there it could go there i but think it could go there unfortunately i mean maybe it could but we have to deal with the reality of what's happening now and families are being torn apart and that is not new under Trump. And anybody who pretends that this is not just a continuation and a perfection of policies that began under Barack Obama is a fucking liar. Mm -hmm. They're lying to themselves. You can't talk about deportations and just pretend that Obama didn't deport three million people. Sure. You yeah. can't. Like, we can't. We're coming off of one of the most violent presidential administrations in American history. We're going to be feeling the aftermath of his failed foreign policy, of his violent, of his war criminal foreign policy mm -hmm. for years to come. I think to relativize oh. Barack Obama and put him in the same camp as George W. Bush is problematic. 
I think yeah, just well, because I'm, understanding the neoconservative perspective versus the neoliberal perspective, I think those two. I'm not classifying it. I'm looking at reality. In the first year of his administration, he killed more people with drones than George W. Bush did in eight years. Okay, but look in at one how, year. But look how many people died in the Afghanistan and Iraq invasions. And look at what okay, was I'm already not saying going that those on when he took right. his presidency. Yeah. So why did he have to make it worse? Why did he throw oh, fucking syphilis he, he, on top of I cancer? Mean, for I mean, his his foreign policy. They used was, to think syphilis was a cure for cancer. Is that true? No. no. I wish The reason I took out this pamphlet Was because there is an organization Called the Queer Detainee Empowerment Project Have you oh heard of gosh. this? No Okay so it basically says that when Queer and trans people come to the border Fleeing persecution 45% of asylum seekers are put into mandatory Detention indefinitely And that queer and trans people Are 15 times more likely, likely to be sexually assaulted Sounds like some Nazi But that's shit. been true But that's been true like, none of that is new under Trump. That's not new. That, like, we can't talk about gay rights. If you want to talk about gay rights, Hillary Clinton was a fucking asshole about gay rights. Right, yeah. I was, yeah. I was yeah. actually going to ask if your uh, views on Clinton were shaped by her views in the 90s. Um, I, I, I mean, no, because I guess maybe, but not in that way, because I was coming at it from the other angle in the 90s, because in the 90s, I'm 34. I was born in 82. I was 10 when Clinton was elected president the first time. My mother only ever voted for Republican presidential candidates, even though she's a registered Democrat um, my whole life because they were pro-life and I was raised Catholic. Um, and I had a really bad view of the Clintons because my mother really didn't like the Clintons. My father would never vote Republican, even though he was probably pretty conservative. He was a Massachusetts, he was a guy from Boston. Um, not blue collar, but blue collar in effect, mm -hmm. if not practice. Um, and yeah, my my upbringing was just really anti-Clinton. Those were my formative years, and uh, it was probably for sexualized reasons because Bill Clinton introduced blowjob into the vernacular in a way that like really offended my Catholic mother's sensibilities. And Hillary Clinton was way too much of a like like strong empowered woman for my mother in the '90s. However, now my mother, who's the same age as Hillary Clinton was a Hillary nut job. Like, could not get enough of Hillary in this election. Mm. And is so anti-Trump. I, I borderline, I always, I can talk to my mother about anything, but I border, I have to check myself from being like, everything you think about this woman is fucking bullshit. But then I look at my mother and I look at Hillary Clinton, and they don't look the same, but they have a similar thing, you know? They're both moms who are about 70, and saw a lot of shit happen, and have really changed in their 77 decades on this earth. And I, I respect that about Hillary Clinton. So you asked me, are my views shaped by her anti-gay shit from the 90s? No, because I believe in the power of people to change because my mother was really anti-gay and now is like a flag-waving P-flag mom. Mm -hmm. But um, so I, I think people can change, but I, I also think my mom's not as calculated as Hillary Clinton because my mom never pursued power. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. So when we talk about these people, we're talking about people who are pursuing the most power you can possibly have in the world. Right. Yeah. So we're not talking about mom. We're talking about Hillary Clinton. Right. And I find that there's a mommy narrative. This is not my word. This is my friend Christopher Shin, who's a playwright. Yeah. 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 Sure. This is his thing that he sort of introduced me to is the mommy thing. Mm -hmm. And it's true. People had a mommy fetish, especially gay men, especially gay white men had a mommy fetish. A lot of like sort of the on black Twitter, I noticed that there was a reluctance 
to give in to Hillary Clinton after the primary, but for gay gay white Twitter, it was all in from the start. There were some Bernie gays, but they were like the ones who went to Burning Man and whatever. But like the New York mainstream kind of liberal media gay uh-huh. was all in for Hillary from the beginning and hashtag with her. And I just found it to be like really sexist, especially when people would talk about Jill Stein, that bitch, that cunt. And it's like, oh, you can go there really easily for Jill Stein, but Hillary Clinton, you're hashtag with her, so you're not a misogynist. It, like, made no sense to me. Mm. And then, like, also, like, even with, like, gay men, this was something that annoyed me during the election, was during the campaign. Like, hit Colby Keller, who's that gay porn star I talked about who voted for Trump. Right. Like, I saw the language people used to describe him was so violent. Other gay men, that gash. He's, n- he's nothing but a hole to come in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, while, like, he is that, he is also a thoughtful person who, like, Voted for Trump for reasons I think are really misguided, but like, it was interesting to talk to him about yeah. it. We should get him on our show. Yeah, yeah you see what's Have you interviewed about? him yet? Yeah, yeah, I interviewed him twice. Oh. He announced that he was voting for Trump on my show, and then I told you a straight woman stole it, and then made it popular on her stupid fucking blog. And I threw a temper tantrum on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram about it. Because I will come the fuck at you if you steal something from my podcast. There you go. Don't forget it. Hey, we got you. <laughs> so, so we have a game plan. Yeah, let's play a game. Let's I love it. Yeah, we're doing so a game. We, we I, pre- do- I prepared. Yeah, we planned a game for our audience listening at home and our audience in the room. And because this is the gay episode, we're all naked while we do this. Right. All right so we're planning a game today for you. <laughs> And the name of the game is It's All Good. So here's the way the game works. So we have, uh, well, let's say representatives from different communities. I'm Jewish, Jason's black, Tommy's gay. And we're going to name different things, or different people, different ideas. And we're going to say whether those things are good for the gays, good for the Jews, or good for the blacks. So Tommy, <laughs> do you want to start? So I just, I throw some a name or something yeah, out there. Yeah, name or idea or... Oh, okay. Jared Kushner is my first name. So not... As a gay Jew... You think he's gay? Have you seen him? <laughs> wow. Wow. Throwing All right. So I, I think he is uh, not so good for the Jews because he is, well, maybe good for the right-wing Jews, just like Stephen Bannon is. But I think like the minute the Jews turn against him, he's going to turn against them as well. You think that he, but he's Shabbat observant. Right? Isn't I mean, he? He's a modern Orthodox Jew. Sure. Yeah, so doesn't, I mean, and he's pretty, he's Zion, He's a Zionist, yeah? Right, he's a, he's a right-wing Zionist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what is the difference between a right-wing and a left-wing Zionist? I think, I think Zionism, when you look at the history of it, when you look at the, uh, the, the sort of the socialist thinkers who inspired Zionism, like people like David Ben-Gurion, they were actually very anti-Orthodox Judaism, and they were very, uh, they wanted to keep uh, the, the, the religious... Zionism and sort of the secular, more um, communist aspects of Zionism, sort of wholly separate. But once the formation of the State of Israel began in 1948, he David Ben Gurion realized that he had to have, had to make a compromise between these two separate branches. Um, so I, th- I think that's what I mean. I mean, right now you have the co-opting of the the parliament in Israel by the right wing Zionists, and I think that's problematic for left wing Jews in mm-hmm. America. And I think if Trump pursues this very sort of right-wing agenda in Israel, you'll see the split of synagogues, you know, Jewish organizations in the United States between left-wing and right-wing Jews. That might be irreparable. I don't know. But it hasn't happened yet. Well, it seems like there has to be a split among Jews. There I has to be a I'm, I'm in agreement. Like, 
the it's right and the so left warm. are so different. The right, and the, I mean, and also, be, and also, you know, they're becoming religiously different. Well, I mean, seventy over seventy percent of Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn voted for Donald Trump. Yes, I know. it doesn't make yeah. sense. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, no, there was the anticipation he would be better on Israel, but he recently said that the thousands of new homes that are being built in bulldozed communities in the settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, are probably not such a good thing for peace. Yes. I think is exactly what he said. And I think he had to be forced into saying that. He had to be forced into saying that, 100%. Because I remember when that first became an issue, his stance on it was the fact that he was he was all with Netanyahu. He said he doesn't, he doesn't care about it. He's anti-Muslim. He doesn't care about the Palestinian people getting kicked out of their homes. Come on. He was down for it. He also it's doesn't of care. Media he also doesn't care about Israeli policy whatsoever. I mean, he is not the person who you go to see about Israeli policy. So, I'm not sure you can find Israel on a map. No. So it's like you know he 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 was espousing these very right wing views uh, to the ZOA to APAC, yeah. uh, and then once he realized how difficult that would be, actually once the King of Jordan intervened mm-hmm. and spoke to him personally. Uh, he realized how damaging these positions could actually be. There'll be a war in Jordan if that happens. There would be mm-hmm. a war in the Middle East. Yeah, there would be a period. Yeah, but it's going to start the ground zero is, is Jordan. Right. I mean, well, or Jerusalem. It's, it's Jerusalem, and then, but that's like the same thing. That's right. always so like, wait, wait, we, It's Bushwick yeah. and, and Bed-Stuy. Sure. <laughs> wait, we didn't finish. Okay, so Jared Kushner, good for the blacks, good for the gays. Oh, good for the gays just because he's like so hot. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> I'm going to say bad for the blacks. He. <laughs> Doesn't share our background whatsoever, has no understanding of how we function as a people, and can't possibly come into policies that affect us positively. All right. But I understand he owns a lot of properties that black people live in. How, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or because he's a Trump son-in-law, he might be, they might be getting kicked out pretty soon. Yeah, it's probably true. We'll figure it out. Ooh. All right, Mexican border wall. Good for the blacks, good for the gays, or good for the Jews? Uh, I mean, come on, really? Uh, because this is interesting. It's, it's bad for everybody. It's horrible for everybody. <laughs> it's bad for everybody, especially my college roommate, whose aunt and grandmother used to just have people cross that Rio Grande River right into her house and would drive them up over the checkpoint 50 miles in the U.S. So their business is really going to suffer. That's mainly why I'm against it. And my friend is gay, so it's bad for the gays. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... And I never did that twice. What? <laughs> Went to Mexico and picked up somebody <laughs> to drive them through the U.S. border. Not the border, the checkpoint. Because, you know, there's actually a border, and then there's a checkpoint sure. 50 miles in. Sure. Just to really keep the Mexicans up. <laughs> just to make sure there's, like, a yeah. firing zone. A buffer. Right. But if you, put, if you put a white guy, a gay white guy, for instance, since this is the LGBT gay it, like episode, uh, in, the, in the front seat, they don't really ask a lot of questions at the... 50-mile border, hmm. interestingly enough. Yeah, good for you. You're able to help some people. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to say that wall is bad for everybody. It's bad for everybody. It's bad. Yeah. 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 No, it, it will. He's, he's going to be good about infrastructure spending. And um, I think that we will see some job growth. Well, I'll put an asterisk on that, actually, because the infrastructure spending will be mostly towards private organizations, private corporations. So I think it's gonna it uh, it's only gonna drive up infrastructure spending as long as it's profitable, as long as corporations can turn a profit on the bridges that they build or the dams that sure. they build. Yeah, but people are gonna get jobs, and he's gonna make sure enough people have jobs so that he can be reelected in four years, and he will be president for eight years. You think? You so? think so? Yeah. My Fuck dad thinks so here. as well. Actually, my dad thinks so. As yeah, well. he hundred percent will. All these panicked reports, especially in the New York Times, which is like cannot more obviously be jerking itself off to all the chaos in the Trump White House. Everyone's just like, he has no control. He keeps slipping out. There's senility. There's dyslexia. 
whatever whatever the new thing that he has wrong with him and his new character flaw that's just going to be the fatal one that'll take down this presidency. I just don't think it's going to happen. People underestimated him every step along the way. He's going to create jobs. He's going to create those types of jobs. We'll see. The people that voted for him are going to come back out. We'll see, but I think yeah. it's going to happen. He's going to be a he's going to be a Reagan type. It's going to be horrific. We don't need another one of those. <laughs> we well, it's going to be really horrific. Well, it's going to depend a lot of people are going to die just like they did under Reagan. It's and then yeah, right. the it's straight society depend. will pretend that it never happened and move on. The straight white society will pretend that all these people weren't deported during the Trump years, that all these people were not rounded up during the Trump years, just the same way that straight society has pretended that all these gay men didn't die during the Reagan years. I and mean, you'd think in the age of social media, we could, we could get away with pretending. That could be the saving grace. I, 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 think, I think now that people are able to like really document exactly what's going on right when it happens, that, that may be the changing factor in learning from our mistakes for once in history. Maybe. Yeah. But I think we also all want to die. I think we all want to see the apocalypse. Like every I'm generation, I'm, I'm having fun here, man. I, th I think things are nice here on, on uh, any America. I don't know, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I see these lefties who are so against the the anger at the Trump rallies and the violence at the Trump rallies, mm -hmm. talking about punching Nazis, punch a Nazi. That's a meme that we all see, and they're like, yeah. Well, I don't see it. I'm not. I'm not like yeah. I mean, but fuck I fuck the Nazis. Sure, but don't punch them when they're standing on the side of the road. Uh huh. Don't do it. But how does that relate to the end of the world? Because people want to just fight. People are violent. People want to see this explode. We're both feeding into it. Everyone's feeding into it. We're all being violent. We want to see what will happen. So you think we're inherently violent? Like we just we definitely are. want war? No, think about it. Animals, their, their, their default state is tense. They're constantly tense when you're around. Mm -hmm. they're, they're aware of their surroundings. They're ready, they're ready to react very quickly. We have that animalistic instinct. We also have these brains. We have these consciousness. Sure. But I think, I think what's, what's inspiring about the American story to me is not so much our ability to break into chaos and violence. It's actually our ability to recover from uh, horrific amounts of chaos. 100%. Um, we got I mean, on through war. I mean, we've gone on through, you know, through the 2008 recession, through the depression in the 30s, through 9-11, through the Iraq war. I mean, Americans are naturally, I believe, resilient and adaptive. I think that's actually much more inspiring than our ability to descend into civil war um, or, or, you know, intra-party intra fighting. I'm a little in the middle on both of those because, like you said, I, I agree to some extent, Americans as a culture, we are prone to violence. But luckily, we're good at violence. We usually win most times. So, you know, I guess it works itself out, right? Well, oh, yeah, I don't I actually did completely disagree with that. I think we're really <laughs> bad at violence. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we actually, yeah, I think violence is bad. <laughs> Period. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that it's good. I don't, I think like radical nonviolence is where we should be moving. Anyway, next, next, next Wait, thing. Well, what is yours? What's yours? Do you have another one? Well, I had a wall too. Oh, okay. But oh, mine were the wall. walls in Israel. Uh, oh. Good for the gays, good for the Jews. Nothing's good for the blacks Yeah, nothing's Israel. good for the blacks, No, especially in Israel. Wait, okay, so we had actually a, a good one. Can we do number six? It's true. Uh, yeah, done? yeah, sure. They hate black people in Israel. That's true. Yeah, hmm. that's true. It's very true. I mean, it's... I guess I'll avoid I would Israel. Say, I would say it's a little bit... I think it's a lot more... Casual. I don't know how much of that hatred is like real because they don't encounter many black people. What about those Ethiopians? Oh yeah. my God! What are you talking about? That's when true. you take the train from Tel from Ben Gurion into Tel Aviv mm -hmm. and you get off at the central train station, yeah. you see all the black people. 
That's where all the African Jews live. There's it's a, a fucking ghetto. It's horrific. It's actually really like it's the the most rundown part of Tel Aviv. There's That's where you'll see the black people. You'll also see them in the huh. background at restaurants and stuff. And of course, me being me, I fucked all the black Jews I could find in Tel Aviv. <laughs> so they told me about how bad it was. Damn. I'm basically an expert. Right. I mean, that's my gay activism. I feel you. I, yeah. fucked, I fucked a gay guy from Yemen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So this is, I don't know if this will be our last thing, but it's one of our last things. Um, Asian people casting white saviors in their films. So we were, oh, fabulous. You Absolutely. think that's good? Yeah, no, good I think gays? Scarlett Johansson. Who else has played an Asian? Uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Absolutely. In this new movie, The Wall. It's like, don't why is Matt Damon saving China? Of course China? they don't. Come what on, it's so funny. About? It's so funny, especially Matt Damon, though, because remember he hushed that black woman on his show? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he has like a race thing. Also, he's from Boston, the most racist place in the Very country. True. Or Tom Cruise playing The Last Samurai. What the fuck was that about? Yeah, but that movie was... I mean, awesome. it was a good, no, it was a great movie. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't a great movie. I'm saying, why is this Last Samurai yeah. White? But I mean, let's just really? leave Tom Cruise out of it. But yes, I agree. Why is the Last Samurai White? I agree with you. I, I basically I, agree. I don't with actually him. think it's this is good for the Jews. I mean, because you're, I mean, let's take The Great Wall specifically. Uh, the Great Wall is a movie that was produced in China. It's with Chinese money. They're trying, uh, Chinese film and the Chinese film industry is trying to send uh, more, uh, more of their films into the American film market. They want to sort of, have a hegemony because because the American film market has that uh, hegemony in, in China right now. So I think it's actually not so good for the Jews if, if it ends up upsetting the Hollywood balance. But Jews own everything oh. in Hollywood, right? So it's good right. for the Jews because they'll make the money. Well, no, the Chinese companies make the money. The film companies. Yeah, but the distributors, the distributors in the U.S. are probably Jewish, so therefore it's good for everyone. Well, except for blacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Nothing apparently is good for Nothing's blacks good in for China. Black. Actually, as I go down this list, <laughs> nothing on here is good for black people. But also, oh, though, no, no, no. Raising, no, raising minimum, minimum wage. wage. Raising minimum wage is great for black people. Okay. Let's talk about that. Is that good for the Jews? Probably not. Because you no, you, the Jews are our employers. That's terrible for you guys. <laughs> it's terrible for you. But I mean, for the blacks, better for minimum better wage. for uh, for having a stable society. Yeah. The minimum wage. Okay, so Black Lives Matter. Good for the Jews, gays, blacks. I think it's good for everybody. Okay, I agree. However, I know that Jews don't. You don't think the Jews think that Black Lives Matter? Well, there was a Black Lives Matter benefit concert at Feinstein's, fifty four below. Okay. Note the Feinstein. Yes, I got that one. Yeah. It was subtle. Uh-huh. <laughs> Black Lives Matter implemented a line on their platform about standing in solidarity with the oppressed people in Palestine. Mm. And 54, Feinstein's 54 Below, Michael Feinstein, canceled the show. Okay. Wouldn't let them perform there because of that. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Right. So because Black Lives Matter stands in solidarity with the occupied Palestine, P- Palestinian people, mm-hmm. They were kicked out of 54 So I think there is a conflation happening here of between uh, you're conflating the 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 right wing reactionary American jury with the left wing uh, less reactionary American jury. I think you've you've had a history of even on the religion on the religious side, you've had a history going back to Martin Luther King of Jews marching in the civil rights movement. I mean, there is that famous picture of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel marching in 1965 with Martin Luther King. Um, who actually had this beautiful quote saying that when he marched with MLK, he felt his legs were, wa- were praying, which I think is a, re- a really nice quote about the idea of prayer. Um, so I think that Jews would agree that Black Lives Matter, but unfortunately, there is this conflating tendency uh, that happens where you know people will say, uh, for instance, Black Lives Matter will have the platform that says, if we, uh, you know, because we're oppressed, 
we have to reach out to other press groups like the Palestinians, and that can get in a really sticky, sticky situation when you deal with right-wing Jews. Yeah, I mean, they're wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm I, kidding. I, I happen not. to think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in agreement. I mean, the thing is, yeah, like you, like you said, there's a difference. On the left, the Jews are pretty cool. On the right, they're pretty extreme. Right, so, but I, I think that let's not generalize. Let's let's hope that there are fewer right wing Jews than left wing Jews. Hopefully, um, there's not. I know, right? Oh, last one, Bruno okay. Mars. Oh, is he gay, or does he? Good just, question. Is he just gay? <laughs> is he? What was the difference? Well, like, is he gay like um, a bottom, or is he gay? Oh like my gosh. He knows how to dance and sing, and is short. <laughs> if he's both. gay, he's a bottom. Both. <laughs> he's probably both, right? Regardless, I I, I think he's. Uh, What's up, Bruno? What, what do you think? Is he, is he good for the Jews? He good for the gays? This, right? or good for the blacks? What are you asking me? He listens, right? Bruno Mars. He's one oh, of our Bruno listeners. Oh, no? Bruno, Bruno Mars is totally. Bruno Mars is Yeah, one of our listeners. Don't worry. I don't listener. get Bruno Mars. You know what? Let's start with Lady Gaga because she had the okay. most legendary halftime show of any Super Bowl halftime show in history, uh -huh. and nobody seems to agree. Somebody threw at me that Bruno Mars was better than her. I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl halftime show. I didn't watch it's it. It's the only part of the Super Bowl I watch, but you should yeah. watch it. I didn't watch any part of the Super Bowl. Whatever, yeah, the three faggots that listen to this will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, so Lady Gaga. Uh, Bruno Mars, uh, arguably good for the Jews. I mean, he has a record deal, so... Yeah. Somebody's making money. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to talk about Jews loving money. Yeah. <laughs> Have a Bruno Mars good for the blacks. Um. Ultimately, I'm gonna. I'm. Even though I personally hate almost everything he's ever put his hands on, um, I'm gonna say he's good for the blacks in the sense that he makes it cool for white people to dance to different music. So it kind of bridges a gap in our cultures. Kind of. He's Michael. Jackson's backwash is like sort of how I yeah. feel about it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Lady Gaga's better. His music is just so un inauthentic. But regardless of his music, I mean, I guess he's good for everyone. Yeah, Rihanna's better. I don't know Who, who's another pop star. There's yeah. no man like him. He's like a, he's a pop star like a woman, so he's good for the gays. Yeah, he's actually he's one of the only male pop stars that I can think of who's who who is like a woman who's 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 given the same passes that women are given in pop music. The way he performs, the way that he moves. I'm trying to think actually of anybody who's as kind of faggoty. He's like flamboyant, what about, right? What about like Adam Levine or is he not? Yeah, but no, but who's Adam he's Levine? He's in a band. You think he's getting the right. halftime show? I mean like oh, Adam Lambert. Of a guy, yeah, Adam but Lambert. yeah, I know who you meant actually. That's who I was thinking of too. No, I was thinking Adam, Adam Levine of like Murder yeah. Five, but also like Adam Lambert. Oh, Adam Lambert is who I went to. Yeah, I went I to the gay. Yeah. Okay, interestingly, I forgot about Adam Levine. No, he's but Adam Levine just is like No, but he also like has this like I don't know, frat boy kind of rapey energy about <laughs> He him. does, yeah. Bruno Mars, there's something... Fa Actually, you know what? I think I just had a turnaround in this episode. I think I really like Bruno Mars. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay, we've converted you into fans. All right. <laughs> so thanks for that. Yeah, all right. All right. Hey. Glad we could help. All right, so thank you, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, Tommy. Thanks for having me. This yeah, was super fun. Yeah, woo! What a great show. Woo! Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Wait, so now can I say I'm at Tommy O'Malley on Twitter? Yeah, plug, plug, plug. Yeah, yeah, hello. At T-O-M-M-Y-O-M-A-L-L-E-Y. You can listen to Unhirable. It's my podcast with Karen Margolis. We're through Stand Up New York Labs. Uh, and we're on iTunes and SoundCloud. At Unhirable Show on Twitter. Woo! Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having me.
Okay, so that's the show, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you guys uh, learned a lot. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, Joey Castillo, Samantha Coughlin for our graphics. Thank you, Nick Corner, our sound engineer. Uh, thanks, to everyone, for coming tonight. And Bishop Politic is recorded live at the Hayloft. Yeah! Thank you to our wonderful guest, Tommy O'Malley, and thank you to everyone for coming tonight. Yeah, shout uh, out please- to our audience. Give you guys a round of applause. <laughs> Please check us out on Instagram at bushwick.politic. Please email us any questions you have at bushwickpolitic at gmail.com. Please check us out on SoundCloud. Please uh, give us comments and feedback. We'd love to hear your perspective on our show and what we can do to improve it. Rate and review. Yeah, rate and review, review. please. We'd love to hear it. That's what it's all about. So, uh, yeah, Bushwick Politics. I'm Adi Eshman. I'm Jason Jones.